Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. You are here at Asian Pop Nation. This is your executive producer, Jesse, here. You guys just heard Hard Pull by Koi, and before that, you guys heard Mercurial by Silica Gel. Now, we have a jam packed show coming up for you guys featuring not one, but two interviews. The first of which will be with Kai Dreams, a Vietnamese American artist who recently released their debut album, Absolute Heartbreak. And the second interview will be with Jenny Tian, who will be performing at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival coming up. So we'll be talking to her a bit more about that. We will also be reviewing some of the events we went to recently. Yes, you may have seen it all over our social media. We interviewed three artists in relation to it. Of course, I am talking about the Sonica Music Festival, which Leisha went to a couple of weeks ago. Now, we will also be talking about some upcoming Asian series on Netflix that feature some of our most beloved actors.、Uh, that is, of course, Beef and Joyride. And obviously, we have to go through. A bit of a rundown about the Asian concerts and events here in Melbourne. Oh, finally, Melbourne has not been forgotten. Uh, we, have Asian, we have events now featuring Asian artists and people, and yeah, so stay tuned for that one. Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation. You guys just heard San Francisco Sidewalk by Tiffany Day, which is from their EP, The Gratitude Project. Now, before that, you guys heard Happy on My Own by Grace, who is an Indonesian singer based in Singapore. Now, before that, you guys heard Cartoon by Cosmic Boy featuring Big Naughty and Sarah Kang, which is also from their new album. Now, coming up, we will be featuring an amazing comedian on our show today. You may know her from her skits on TikTok. Hey guys, you are listening here at Asian Pop Nation. I'm Jessie, and I'm also here with Ethan. Coming up between March 29th and April 23rd is the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. It will be featuring some of our favourite Asian artists, and we have one of them here with us today. You may know her for her comedy skits on TikTok. And of course, we are talking about the amazing Jenny Tian. Hi! Thanks so much for having me. How are you going? I am going well. I、uh, have just landed in Melbourne.、Um, flew from Sydney on the absolute cheapest flight and landed at Avalon and took the Sky Bus. <laughs> awesome. So I know many of our listeners, including kind of myself as well, know you from your TikToks and your Instagram reels. And so for those of us under Familiar with you outside of that, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, so I am basically I open my mouth and funny things come out.、Um, I guess that's a comedian.、Um, so I, you know, started stand up comedy back in 2016 and have just gigged regularly around Sydney. I started, I, you know, I think around in 2020, posting a little bit of content to TikTok as well.、Uh, and For some reason, there is an audience that found me there.、Um, and then I just kind of kept going, especially over the pandemic. And yeah, now I just continually post there and also on Instagram, which、uh, just TikToks from two weeks ago. But yeah. <laughs> Curious to know what got you started、um, doing comedy like on stage, because that's quite a big leap、um, yeah. to get into comedy.、Uh, I never thought I would get into comedy, like literally. I was talking to my friends in high school about it, and they were like, You're not funny. Don't do stand up. Don't humiliate yourself like that. And I was like, Oh, yeah, no, you're right. That is a silly idea.、Um, 
I ended up watching like a live show, my very first one, which was at uni, actually. It was at UNSW. And I remember seeing Aaron Chen, actually, for the first time, who now I know. And he's so funny. If you don't know him, please check him out. He's incredible. And that was kind of the first time where I was like, oh, you don't have to be like loud and, you know, angry (laughs) um, to do comedy. You can be kind of awkward and, you know, for lack of better words, like nerdy and it's hilarious. So, um, yeah, I was exposed to that and I was like, oh, maybe I could do this. And then not too long after I went and watched an open mic and um, it was pretty bad. And I went, you know, I I reckon I could go up on stage. And then I did. And then I bombed. (laughs) And then I got one laugh at the end and I was like, oh my God, that feels so good. I got to keep going. Um, And that was it. You said that you don't have to be loud and crazy out there to be funny. So how would you describe your sense of humour then? And how has it grown since you first started? Yeah, great question. I think when I started, I was really like, I was so stilted on stage. I was very scared to move. Um, I was very dry. Everyone just called me dry. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. What do, what do you mean dry? Um, over time, I've kind of found a little bit more confidence to grow and experiment and be louder and like do act outs and, and take steps along the stage, which I'm still scared to do sometimes. So yeah, I think just like getting more confident over the years and I guess In terms of subject matter, I initially just started with really silly, basic observations. And now I've kind of moved on to things that are like within my life and like stories within my life. So jokes about my parents or my friends or my horrible, horrible dates. Um, So, yeah. For all the the newbies that are looking to get into startup or in comedy, what would you give them as like a piece of advice? Yeah, um, I remember listening to Pete Holmes's podcast and Bill Burr's. This question would get asked almost all the time or like every second episode someone would go I'm thinking of starting but I'm scared and I don't know what to do and the answer was always just do it like you have to get out there and do it and there's no cheating it and there's no amount of comedy that you can watch that's going to prepare you for the actual experience of what it is going to be on stage so I would say you know watch live comedy because it is really it's so different to Netflix and um, I think you'll find that, especially at an open mic, you'll realise that the standard is not as high as you think it is uh, when you watch television and that you can definitely, definitely do it as well and that everyone can be funny. The difference between you know me and anyone else is that I just tried and I just have a microphone and that's it. Like literally anyone can do it. It's very accessible. Awesome. I know that you mentioned that you just need a mic and that's it. But in your upcoming show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, you are also going to be using the Microsoft Paint tool to help you. So can you tell us a bit about why you chose that kind of <laughs> yeah. avenue? Yeah, the most horrendous tool. Um <laughs> I did a storytelling night at um, a night called Generation Women. And when I recorded it, the whole thing was out of focus. And I was like, oh, but the audio is so good. So what I did was I matched the dialogue to Microsoft Paint drawings. And I was like, this turned out better than I like could have imagined. This is actually better than just a video recording. So um, I kind of took that initial first story and then I built a little bit more off that as well and then mixed in my stand-up bits. And now I have a PowerPoint deck with over 100 Microsoft Paint drawings. Is that what we're going to be expecting? That is, yes. It's a big PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) I will take questions at the end. (laughs) Awesome. Um, 
I know that you've done a lot of shows, but also a lot of festivals. So I was wondering if there was any differences that you've noticed in like the vibe or like the overall gist of how it works. Yeah, it's it's so different. Like on a lineup, I think there's in some ways less pressure because there's an MC to warm up the crowd. There's other comedians. So if you bomb, then, you know, someone else is going to help make the show better. Whereas when it's a festival show, you're all by yourself. Your posters are all you, like literally, like right now I'm looking at my poster of myself and I'm like, oh my God, it's like, it's just me. It's so cringy. Uh, You're handing out pamphlets and it's the whole thing is kind of dependent on just you. So in that regard, it feels like a lot more pressure, but also the flip side and the positive side is that when it goes well, it is all you as well. So yeah, very different. And obviously with a festival show, you're doing one hour of material. So it's a lot longer compared to like a club set, which might just be like five minutes or 10 minutes. I think one of the hardest parts about doing stand-up shows, like especially on a stage that you do have a live audience that you're interacting with. I don't know if you want to talk about this, but have you had some difficult experiences with audiences and how have you been able to manage that kind of interaction? Yeah, I think what surprises people is that bombing happens so much more often than people okay. realize. Like it's it's part of the process. It's part of trialing out new material. And no matter how good you are, you, you're still going to bomb a lot when you're testing out new material. I think what's worse is when you think you have a bulletproof set and then you go out to an audience and then you bomb. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had plenty of those. I, I had a gig where I performed on the back of a ute at a train station. So it can get pretty dire depending on the circumstances. So yeah, like those those happen all the time where you're just in a setting where you, like there's no way you could work the crowd. Is there any way that you would prepare yourself or like practice before you go do the actual show? Like in general or for difficult shows? Both. Okay. For difficult shows, I kind of tell myself, just plow through it, which is what it's, I think Ali Wong said that she's like, well, you know, when she's bombing and dying on stage, just plow through it, just do your time, be a professional and then get off and don't look at the audience. (laughs) Um, And in terms of like myself, just a regular show, just knowing my material, like I literally, I write out my set on my notebook so I don't forget my jokes, know how long your set is going to be. Like I at this stage kind of know how roughly how long each bit is and you know how long 10 minutes feels on stage um, and you want to make sure that you don't go too under time don't go too overtime, um and yeah like bring good vibes you know you want to make sure you're well rested um and you're bringing like a positive energy onto stage yeah before we move on, I am so curious. What is the story about you performing on the ute? Oh, yeah. So it was like a council gig in Sydney. And I think, you know, there, there were a bunch of people who don't really go out to watch live stand-up comedy or don't understand the elements that make it work, i.e. like a roof. So, um, yeah, they were like, yep, we're going to try and plug stand-up comedians and comedy and it's going to be great and it's going to support the arts. And it was a paid gig as well, which is why I said yes to it. And they were like, by the way, it has to be clean material because it's a train station and there's kids and parents and whatnot around. So yeah, like there was uh, an MC that got up and then individually, like one by one, I think it was me and two other comedians, we had to do 15 minute sets and it was, it doesn't sound like that much time, but it was like the longest 15 minutes of my life. There was at one point, there was like a dog that ran through the train station and that was more entertaining than any joke I had in my set. It was so humiliating. (laughs) That's a pretty good story as well. 
Um, okay, moving away from your stand-up to like TikToks and Instagram reels, how would you say you tailor your comedy to fit into that short-form content as opposed to, say, on stage? Yeah, it's like, it's a completely different genre and form, even though they're both still comedy. Like, obviously, like, with something like TikTok and Instagram, they've got their own content guidelines, and TikTok in particular is actually quite strict about that. So it would be things like no sexual references or whatever, which, you know, I'm quite open about in my general stand-up. So there's kind of more, in some senses, limitations online, but that can also help you become more creative. So I think I'm a lot more polite and cleaner on TikTok than I am um, on stage. And also um, like on TikTok, it's all niches. Like I can do, you know, videos about my Asian parents and I know that there's going to be people that relate to my experience. Um, Whereas kind of in a club, well, I have to have material that, you know, does well to like an RSL pub as well. Um, So, you know, it might involve a little bit more setting up to make things a bit more kind of universally relatable. So the differences in topics as well is quite different. One's niche, one's broad. So how would you say that making like short form social media content has helped you with your web series that you released last year? Yes, my web series, Coach Dayum. I think like had I not had a TikTok account or an Instagram account or following, there is no way I think I would have firstly been able to get that grant from Screen Australia and TikTok that allowed me to, you know, find an incredible producer and find the cinematographer and pay all these people properly to make this really silly series. So yeah, just firstly having a platform that reaches an audience um, that looks good in the eyes of, you know, funding bodies, that was a big you know, first step. And I think also understanding the format of TikTok, like you want to grab the audience in like the first five seconds. You don't want the video to drag for too long. Um, You want to try and make sure there's like a hook or a cliffhanger at the end. So those were all elements that we had to incorporate into the writing of each single episode of the series, which made me pull my hair out at the time, but um, I'm quite happy with how it turned out. That's good to hear. (laughs) That's amazing. That's really good. (laughs) I just thought of this question before we kind of wrap up. Before you came into studio today, you met some of your fans that actually recognised you. So how do you feel about being ultra famous now? <laughs> ultra famous, that's so funny. Um, I don't know. I'm still kind of getting used to people knowing who I am. And, you know, I just kind of want every interaction I have with a person, like for them to feel positively about it. Like I don't want to be like, you know, a, a story to come out like on Reddit or something like, oh my God, I met her and she's so rude and she's up herself and whatever. Like, you know, I I hope that it's like a positive experience for people. So, um, you know, I know those types of interactions can make their day. So I just want it to be positive and happy. Awesome. Uh, as a final note, where can listeners find you on social media? Anything like that? Yeah. So on TikTok, I'm at Nom Nom Jenny. On Instagram, I'm at underscore Jenny Tian. And yeah, if you're interested, you can watch my series, Coach Dayam, which is on TikTok. It's pinned on my profile, 12 episodes, one minute each. And uh, you can catch me around comedy clubs all around the country. Awesome. So we're going to kind of wrap up now. You guys can find Jenny at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival in the coming month or so and make sure you follow us on asian pop nation at all of our social media channels and yeah yay thanks for having me